Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wayne Outer Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Berta, and today we've got all familiar voices. We've got Chris Dalgleish, we've got Steve Lamar, and we've got Trisha Wollen. It has been a while since we have all been together, so howdy, friends. Hey, buddy. Hi. Yeah, welcome to me again. <laughs> I always enjoy that. All right, so as we are just kicking off, I want to just kind of warm us up a little bit. Tell me something, appropriate though, please. Tell me something that made you laugh recently or something that brought you joy. Mm. We'll start with Chris. Mm. That's, a, that's a hard one. There's lots of things that bring me joy with children in my life. Uh, at least that's what I'm supposed to say. Um, <laughs> I think that the funniest thing that I've seen <laughs> lately is uh, my daughter, Josette, who is preparing to go on a field trip to uh, like a pilgrim home. Uh, came out today dressed in her full pilgrim gear, ready to go, and it was quite humorous. <laughs> it was pretty shockingly hilarious that she actually has something that looks like she's a pilgrim. That's awesome. Steve? Um, I should probably say something about my kids, but really something that I found joyful is I have finally watched every Star Wars movie and TV episode out there. Wow. So that's it, a challenge. It's, it's a, a lot. big accomplishment. It's been three years. It's a lot of well stuff. Well done. Did you watch them in chronological order or in the order of the movies? Chronological. And I had to go back for a few of them because new episodes were released. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Trisha, what brings you joy? Uh, just today, actually, and I won't tell the specifics, but autocorrect is amazing. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. The oh. things, if you didn't. If the person didn't catch it before they sent it, it would definitely have been a, uh, what sort of text? <laughs> um, I don't think I heard that correctly. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I went out for dinner a week ago, and uh, it looked like everything was fine. I go back to my credit card bill, and it shows that it didn't pay. Oh. Or, like, it only paid, like, $2 of the meal. I'm like, this meal was not $2. So right before the recording today, I go back to that same restaurant... And I, I asked for the manager. So the manager comes over and I told him what happens. And he's like, have you ever played Monopoly? And I'm thinking that is a really weird mm. response to what I said. And he basically said, he's like, well, there's the card in Monopoly that says something like the bank pays for whatever. He's like, bank error in your favor. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So bank error in your favor. You don't have to pay for it. And I'm like, so I kind of got a free meal by accident because I typed in the tip, I tapped the card, it said approved, I go back to my bill, and it only did like maybe 10% of what the bill would have actually been. So that was kind of a, I was dreading going back and like talking to the manager. I didn't want someone to get in trouble or whatever, but the manager was just all easy about it. And so at the end of the night, when I paid in cash, I'm just like, I just wanted you to know that I paid this time. Mm. And so we had a little bit of a laugh. So that was just kind of a fun Mm. moment that actually happened just a couple hours ago. Okay, so what I want to talk about today, and I have not prepared our friends here what we're going to talk about. We have no idea what's going on. Complete surprise. But I think that this is something that we're going to be very naturally able to talk about because I think it's core to who we are. Mm. So one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. 
for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for hope in a future. And people misunderstand this to mean that like everything is always going to go well and, and you know God has a good plan for me so I'm never going to suffer well if you actually read it this the prophet Jeremiah was prophesying to the people that they were about to be in exile mm-hmm. and part of his explaining the exile had that comforting verse that says for I know the plans for you, says the Lord. And so he goes through, and I'm, so I'm going to read a selection of this. And then there's one verse that really stood out to me that I want to talk about and kind of focus on. But Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised. And I will bring you home again. And this is where that verse comes into context. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Wow. So this is a very different picture from everything's going to be rosy, everything's going to be pleasant, to I am warning you now that I am sending you into a hard place, but don't worry, in 70 years, it will be made right. Again, I will come, I have a plan that is good. There is one verse I wanna point out, but before that, I just wanna see, is there any kind of thoughts as you're thinking about this passage? Any thoughts from anyone around the table? Tons of thoughts. (laughs) So Chris, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I think um, I think is uh, an ability to look at the story now from afar. Uh, we know what's happening, where they're headed, what their future looks like, because we have historical record, uh, obviously, that we can find throughout the rest of Scripture. And so for us, we kind of get to glimpse a little bit of what God sees when he looks at our lives, which is like we know this story and we hear this like, oh, wow, 70 years that they have to wait that they'll stay in captivity. Um, but the blessing and the promise and, and, and even going on further into 14, he talks about like delivering them and bringing them into like a, a, a new uh, land. Um, and he never stops being their God, right? Which is the most important part of it all, to be honest. So I think if we're going to take, um, if we're going to insert ourselves into the story, which I don't typically recommend doing, but I think you can here, 
like you don't really know the full picture, right? You might see portions of it and it might seem real crummy. It might seem really chaotic and it might seem like God is put you into something that just is not what you would desire or what uh, you think might be the best for you. But he never stops being God and he never stops thinking um, positively towards them no matter the amount of chaos he's allowing them to to fall into. And I think um, to continue to insert ourselves into that, whatever we're facing right now, we don't know the outcome. And I know uh, from talking to many in our community, um, there's people experiencing extreme life change right now, whether it's health-related, job-related, housing-related. God has a good plan. And he has, he has a prospering plan for you. And that's where we have to kind of like just trust that he doesn't stop being our God, even though things seem out of our control. And like, where is he in this moment, right? That's really good. Steve? Yeah. So one of the things that Chris mentioned is inserting ourselves in this. And uh, the first thought that came to my mind is when I was 11, I had it prophesied over me that... Uh, one day I would be a pastor and I felt that calling on myself. And then I stepped into a real realm of darkness with my mental health. And I carried through that for years. And through that time, I, like God never changed. God was always still there. But I didn't always see that light. I didn't see that promise. I kind of had to hold on and just believe that God was there and God was in it. And... I feel that I'm in that period now where things are becoming the good. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can really relate to this story on a personal level where you get that promise and then you carry through the darkness and then you can see the light coming through at the end of the tunnel and things are getting better. And another thing that came as a thought to my mind is even though things are getting better, they're not perfect. You know, God's vision for us is not a perfect life. There will be sin, there will be sickness, there will be pain, but there is a promise of better. How I've had this explained to me before, and I like the version that you chose, Jordan, because it says it better Mm -hmm. than the NIV has plans not to harm you, plans to proper you, plans to give you hope. Um, But I've heard it that when God says, oh, plans, yeah, to give you a future, it's you as a collective, not mm-hmm. individually. It's like he will, God's plans will always further the kingdom of Christ. That's right. It's like individually, if you think of all the martyrs in after, like in the early, um, like after mm-hmm. 70 AD and all those people, it's like, well, those people definitely didn't do better, but because of their sacrifice, because of what happened to them, it further the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So it's not always individually, it's as a collective. Yeah. And I, th- I think like this is one of the things that we really um, wrestle with at Way is like our vision is really big because the need for what we're trying to build is so big. So sometimes when you're like close to the situation, you, you're like, well, what are what are we actually doing for people? Like, how are we impacting people? How, what kind of, you know, things are we doing for these people? Because we see this big vision that, like our leadership cast of like we want to build so much 
you know, incredible stuff for people with mental illness and neurodiversity and caregivers. And we're, we're working towards these goals and they're big and the vision is so bright and it burns so fiery in us that like we have to believe ourselves. Like God has a promise for us not just to do good things, but to do the right things. Like there's a huge difference between doing good and doing right. And we can do as much good as we want, which is running programs and being nice and, and, and feeding people and patting them on the back. But we're trying to do the right thing for these people, which is taking them from uh, brokenness and seeing their healing uh, journey from start to finish as much as we can, right? It's a discipleship thing. It's not just a like, we want to connect you to our programs and see your butts in our pews. We want to see, you know, a journey with these people that sometimes goes beyond the visible because there's so much invisible happening in people's lives, right? And that's what we're seeing in this uh, this passage is that they're not seeing what God's seeing and they have a vision and a promise, uh, you know, that there's going to be prosperity for the nation of Israel, but it's going to take some time before they actually see it and they get to walk in it. And I think that that's where when you have a really bright and bold vision, similar to what we have here at Way, um, it takes patience, it takes time, and it takes endurance to really get to the place where we're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're here now, right? And that's where we're headed. And we all sense that. We all hope for that. We're all praying for that. We all are investing in that. And that's kind of the cool part of 2911. It's saying... I have plans for you to prosper you, to give you future, to give you hope. Catch a hold of my vision, but my promise is, is this. You're still going to have to endure a time of patience. Well, and part of that too, again, to the idea of the collective, is those that were older won't see the end of the 70 years. That's right. So I have a future for you. It's about actually the children, the next generation, which is why in the early verses there, it's saying, get married, have children, have grandchildren. Don't say things are too bad. We are just going to stop and get in a hole mm -hmm. and just wait for it to get better, which is sometimes what we can do in an extreme crisis to um, just to go inward and to stop progress. Mm -hmm. But all of this looking ahead and looking forward, we are called to still act. And the thing that really struck me when I was studying this is actually verse 7. And it says, Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Mm -hmm. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So there's a couple things to that. Number one is that when you are praying for the welfare of the city, you're actually praying for the welfare of the people that have captured you and are enslaving you and harming you. And number two to that is we have a role to play. Mm -hmm. There are tons of people. People come up to me all the time. So when are you going to protest this issue? When are you going to protest that issue? When are you going to do this, take a stand, all this other stuff? The fact of the matter is that if we want to see good for our future, for our community, we need to pray mm -hmm. for the blessing of those that we might think are the evil ones around us. And we also need to be willing to act, to step in. And I'm not talking about protesting. I'm talking about 
doing practical things. So we see mental health crisis around us. So what are we doing about that? Are we yelling at the government for not offering enough services? No. We are praying that more things will be made available, but we are also working to start our mental health drop-in nights and to meet with people one-on-one. And so we are doing our part and we are praying for the welfare of the community. And that will build all of us up. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't see a direct benefit personally, because it's not something that, quote, we need in and of ourselves, everyone is being built up if we have that mindset. Mm-hmm. It's true. There's this level of, like, submissive humility in that too, right? That, you know, we're not asking God to come down and just, you know, ransack our our situation, our, our geopolitical climate. We're, we're asking God to give us patience to and to su- find ways to support what's happening in that geopolitical climate. It doesn't matter which side or which color or however you vote. Like, what matters is that you have uh, an, a humbled heart chasing after God and after what he's leading to you. And it goes right back to do it, the difference between doing what's right and doing what's good. Um, and you will be hearing more about that on a future podcast uh, with our close friend of mine, Brent uh, Easy. We, we actually talk about that in depth. But what I'm finding right now is um, this is really the challenge on our church and on our community we need to be humbly able to do what is right for those around us. And sometimes doing what's right for people isn't what's good for, for our, for our body because it's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us energy. Um, and sometimes doing what's good comes at the expense of, um, seeing God do something even bigger because it's really easy to just do good things especially if you have a budget that's okay and you have some energy, some time. Uh, Like you can do as much good as you have energy for, but doing the right thing gets very hard because it usually costs uh, more more sacrifice than you thought you were willing to give. And I think um, I want us to be humble in our approach when it comes to having to deal with... um, you know, the true crisis around us, you know, how poorly our healthcare system is handled, especially in the field of mental health, um, and how there's no systems in place uh, to help people to get the care that they need in, in, a, in a rapid enough response. And that's where, like, we can get angry and we can get critical and we can get harsh towards our, our geopolitical leaders. But we need to show humility and, and recognize like they can only do as much as they have right now to work with. And as a country, we're all in deficit. And I love that this is actually the merger of prayer and action mm-hmm. because, you know, I have been criticized many times or Christians in general have been criticized. Oh, well you just say, well, thoughts and prayers and there isn't action. Mm-hmm. This is actually prescribing action and prayer. And then, in a way, our action is a part of the answer to our prayer. And I love how God invites us to become a part of that process of not only praying for God's will, but also contributing 
to it. To continue the story 70 years later, when those are coming out of exile back to the Holy Land, that's where Queen Esther comes on the scene. And I think she is a great example of this as well, because she was willing to risk her own life in order to protect those in her community. I think she was taking this verse seriously, whether she consciously knew that or not. But there was something about like the self-sacrifice and the prayer and the effort and the focus towards God mm-hmm. in the bold stand that we take. And so what I just want to encourage you today is wherever you are, whatever things you are seeing in the world that you are not happy about, those things that bother you the most are probably related to the things that God is wanting you to participate in and to pray into. And so what I would encourage you to do coming to the end of this podcast is to consider what some of those things are. What are those things, those tensions in your heart? And then pray and maybe discuss, maybe reach out to one of us to discuss how you can be a part of that, to take that outrage, to take that stirring in your soul and actually turn it into outreach and something profitable and beneficial for the community. And so I really do encourage you to take that time to consider how you can be a part of the productive benefit of our community while also praying for our community. I'll have something to say about that. It reminds me of a song called Do Something by Matthew West. And the lyrics are actually like, I woke up this morning and the world's in trouble. It's like, how do we get so far from where we're supposed to be? And we're praying to God, why don't you do something, God? Mm -hmm. And then God responds Mm -hmm. going, I did. I created you. Mm -hmm. Because that passion is on your heart, that's where we are God's hands and feet in this. Absolutely. Yeah, something that sticks out to me when we're going through this is this is also for the next generation. Yep. And that's one of my main focuses. I don't care if I fight tooth and nail today for the people I'm with. I do care about those people I want to see change in those people's lives. But I care also about my kids and that generation. Mm-hmm. If I can't make change today, I'm going to do what I can to make change for them, mm-hmm. for the future. It's just having that, that mindset of the next generation and even the grandchildren that you don't have yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, all right. Well, this has been a really good conversation and I appreciate listeners that you joined us for that. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to just have real life, real conversations in community. Be sure to go to wayneagra.ca or uh, Facebook or Instagram to be in touch with everything that is going on with Way. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye for now.